All right, well, uh, welcome back, everybody. I've missed you, and uh, as you know, we've been gone for the last couple of weeks, so glad that you're here with us. Let me add my welcome to all of you, and welcome to our new friends who've just arrived from the Congo. It's a couple of families just this week, so we continue to have more families. And again, thanks to Andrew and to Ben for sharing the word these last couple of weeks, completing our series, our study, uh, that we uh, embarked on right after Easter on Salt and Light, uh, the Sermon on the Mount. And now, if you've got your Bible, come with me, please, as we begin a brand new series that is going to take us all the way up until Advent in November. So we're going to be uh, doing a study together now of the next portion of the Gospel of Matthew. Matthew 8 through 12. And uh, just the reminder that the Gospel is in the words of the scripture itself, the gospel, in, within the gospel resides the very power of God himself. And so when we come to the word of God and when we come to the gospel, we are interacting with the very living presence of the word of God. And the Bible says, the Lord lives in a high and lofty place but also with those who are humble and contrite of heart and who tremble at his word. So I just pray that over these next months, as we interact, continue to interact with the gospel of Jesus Christ, with the gospel of Matthew here, that there will be a trembling in our hearts, recognizing that we are not interacting simply with historical, dusty old words, but we're interacting with the very living presence of God himself. And I don't know about you, but that excites me when I think about that. So this morning we're going to kick off our series on Follow Me with a, a message that I'm entitling The Influence of Jesus. And if you've got your Bible and you've turned with me already to Matthew chapter 8, uh, we're going to be actually looking at Matthew seven twenty-eight through 8.4. When Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching because he taught as one who had authority and not as their teachers of the law. When, when Jesus came down from the mountainside, large crowds followed him. That's where we get the title to our series, Follow Me. And a man with leprosy came and knelt before him and said, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. And Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said, be clean. And immediately he was cleansed of his leprosy. Then Jesus said to him, see that you don't tell anyone, but go show yourself to the priest and offer a gift, the gift Moses commanded as a testimony to them. So one of the things that we're going to be noting as we walk through the Gospel of Matthew, is we're going to be watching the influence of Jesus as he calls people to follow him. And one of the things that I want you to take note of is uh, something that we've looked at at least perhaps once before, but I want to kind of remind us of and bring us into. I want us to, to notice the various dimensions of Jesus' influence. Because as his disciples... His influence in our lives, we, we are influenced and then therefore we become influencers. We are called to be disciplers and we are called to disciple. 
itself. Notice that it says here, and we're going we're to come back to these, so I won't go into all of it, but the, the word Jesus, we just spent an extended season of time, several months unpacking Jesus' Sermon on the Mount and the word of truth that he brought to the people. Now, today we're going to be introduced to Jesus working wonders in his power. We're also going to see multiple times, including even in today's story, implicit are his works of love. So word, wonders, and works are the dimensions by which the kingdom of God extends into the kingdom of this age. We've talked about that before, the kingdom to come, the kingdom that is here, the the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God, into the kingdom of this present evil age. This is the way the kingdom penetrates through word, the word of truth, through wonders, the power of God, through works, the love of God getting extended into people's lives. All three dimensions are essential. Now let's just play that out a little bit further. The word of truth has to do with the scripture, has to do with our witness, has to do with apologetics, which is a big word, which doesn't mean making an apology, but making a case for God. So in all of these things, the word of truth needs to penetrate into the culture around us, needs to penetrate first into our own hearts and then into the culture and those around us. The signs and wonders, the revelation of God that comes. Signs and wonders are there. Signs are there to point us towards a deeper reality. Wonders are present to cause us to wonder. They are pictures. They bring us revelation of what the kingdom, the dimensions, the the reality of the kingdom of God is all about. And then there is the works of love, which is compassion and justice, mercy and justice. And mercy and justice kiss together, and in that, the work of God is demonstrated into the world. All three dimensions are essential. One of the things that if you follow through church history and you pay attention, you'll notice that Various churches at various times, various streams of churches focus on one or the other of these dimensions of the kingdom, but in a well-rounded work of God in his church, he invites us to um, embrace and engage with all three areas of demonstrating his kingdom into the world, demonstrating, confirming, and proclaiming. So those are the next three words that are here. The proclamation of the word of God, the confirmation of the word of God, and the demonstration of the word of God. So those three dimensions need to be present in a well-rounded ministry. Am I making sense so far? If we as disciples of God, disciples of Christ, apprentices of his, we're going to be watching him, we're following him. If we're going to follow him, we're going to follow him into the word. We're going to follow him into the wonders. We're going to follow him into the works that he does. Because that's where he's inviting us into. You, when he says you're going to do even greater things than these, He's not talking necessarily about in kind, but certainly in quantity, because Jesus was one person. Now the body of Christ is here on earth. All right? So we are penetrating this world with the word, the wonders, and the works of God. The truth of God, the power of God, the love of God. Proclamation, confirmation, demonstration. Got it? 
All right, one more time. Get it? There we go. All right. So, so let's take a look at, first of all, Jesus' proclamation. It's right here. Those last words. When Jesus had finished saying these things, this is right after the Sermon on the Mount. I love this. I just, I, I just love this scripture. These things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching because he taught as one who had authority and not as their teachers of the law. <laughs> he taught as one who had authority. There was something about his word, the proclamation, the truth that he brought that penetrated into their hearts in a way that the teachers of the law and their words never did. And what I want us to kind of a takeaway, and this is the takeaway from the, the whole, again, the Sermon on the Mount, is that Jesus is inviting us to be discipled, to be one who follows and learns obedience into the blessed and good life of the kingdom. There is an invitation from Jesus which requires an intentional decision on our part. So the question I have for us this morning is, am I listening to his voice, and am I being transformed from the inside out by his word? Am I listening to his voice, and am I allowing his voice to transform me from the inside out? This is the Romans 12, 1 and 2. Romans 12, 1 and 2, you know the scripture well. But let's remind ourselves of it, and let me quote it exactly again here this morning. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Hebrews 4 talks about the word of God being living and active, sharper than a double-edged sword that goes down and penetrates into separating even the marrow from the bones. It goes and exposes, not to destroy us, but to heal us. Because he loves us too much to leave us the way we are. So the question is, will I intentionally, you know, they're right here up front, Right at the very beginning of this series that we're in, that we're beginning this morning called Follow Me, I have a question for you. Are you truly willing to follow him? As we're going to see, the crowds followed him, and so did the teachers and the, you know, the Sadducees and the Pharisees. They followed him, but they didn't truly follow him. These when the going got tough, well, they got going. Am I willing to be transformed? Am I willing to be transformed? Or do I want to stay the way I am? Am I willing to listen? All right. Now, notice the leper's posture here. Now we, we immediately shift our scene from the, he's coming down off of the mountain, and it says, when he came down from the mountainside, large crowds followed him, and a man with leprosy came and knelt before him and said, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Now, Let's translate this to modern day, just so understanding that the reason, you know, leprosy was, was evident all throughout the, the, that time and that culture. And, but it, leprosy in the Bible covers 
anything, any kind of skin condition that was visible. The, the thing about leprosy that set it apart from high blood pressure, for example, or something else, was that you could see it. It was visible to everyone. Okay? And its very visibility created um, huge issues for those who were afflicted by those skin conditions. Um, particularly, I mean, leprosy itself, of course, is a very real disease and had horrible consequence. But not only were the lepers then separated, you know, not only were they dealing with the issue of their physical ailment, but they were also separated from the community. They had to live apart. They had to walk around. If they walked around, they had to have a sign and they had to announce ahead of time, unclean, unclean, unclean. They were truly the untouchables. They were untouchable. But I love, notice the leper as he comes to him. He kneels before him and says, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. The leper comes into Jesus' presence. I want you to take note of this because this is an important for us, our posture before the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. He comes before him, first of all, with humility. He comes and kneels. It was, I think, Pastor Daniel who was the first one that taught me this. Pastor Daniel, who's here today from our Romo Christian Fellowship, and welcome to the Romo Christian Fellowship, also joining us this morning. We're so glad to have you with us. But I think it was Pastor Daniel uh, was maybe the first person that, that told me this directly. But, but when you are kneeling, it is the only time, and you kneel with your head to the ground, it is the only time it's the only posture where your head is beneath your heart. Isn't that a beautiful picture? Your head is below your heart. There's a certain humility about that that is so essential. It says, humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. Cast all your anxiety upon him, for he cares for you. There's something about when we take in humility and we bow and we bring our need before him and humble that is so significant. Notice the submissiveness. Lord, if you are willing. James 4, 14 to 16. Why? James 4, 6 to 8. Sorry, 4, 6 to 8. He gives us more grace. That's why the scripture says, God opposes the proud but shows favor to the humble. Submit yourself then to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Come near to God and he will come near to you. Submit yourself then to God. To be an apprentice, a follower of Jesus requires submission which is not so popular in our world today, particularly not in America, where it's all about our rights and our, you know, whatever, and we're going to stand up and we're going to do it our own way by gum because I'm a rock, I'm an island, I can do it all myself. I'm the captain of my own destiny, and Jesus says, come and submit yourself to me. It requires a deep trust. But when we do that, there is a great confidence that we can have. Notice the confidence. If you are willing, you can make me clean. 
Listen to the word of God in Hebrews chapter 4. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses. We have one who has been tempted in every way just as we are, yet did not sin. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. You can come to God in confidence. When you come in that place of humility and submission, there is also, it's not a groveling. This isn't worm theology. I'm just worm, oh God. No, you were created in the image of God. You are beloved of God. He loves you so much he sent his son to die for you. We have a high priest who's standing before the throne of heaven saying, this is my child. This is my brother. This is my sister. We can come with confidence before him. I love the worship this morning. All of the songs were just around this theme. It was just precious and beautiful to come into his presence in that place of humble, submissive confidence. So that's my question. Am I coming to Jesus? Is God my vending machine and I just, you know, I want to just stick in a quarter and get, you know, get a treat? For a lot of folks, that's, that's what it's about. God's some sort of divine vending machine. He's not. He is the living God who desires to have relationship with us in a deep place. The leper's posture, and then we see Jesus' power. And Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. I'm willing, he said, be clean. And immediately he was cleansed of his leprosy. Notice Jesus responded to the leper's posture by extending his hand, first of all, to touch Now again, this was way, way, way out of all any kind of societal norm whatsoever because if you touched a leper, you would become unclean. But in Jesus' case, the power of God upon him, wherever he went, sickness didn't attach to him, health attached to those he touched. But do you know that part of it, and this is why, so sometimes somebody may ask, well, why do, you, why do you lay hands on people when you pray for them? Why do you, why, because there is something about the connection of touch that is so significant and vital and be, because we live in a, in a very isolated, and, and, and as a leper, you know, they perhaps have not felt touch for who knows how long that they had felt even a touch. And the scripture from Mark 10 talks about the children coming to Jesus and the, everybody wants to shoo them away and Jesus says, let them come. Let, and he put his hands on them and he touched them. Now, of course, we know that touch is, has been used, unfortunately, and tragically in our culture and in, in the church at times to, to violate. And, and there is no room for that. Let's be very clear about that. And if you've experienced that kind of touch which has been violating to you, you need to speak forth about that. You need to bring forth that. You need to come and and experience um, um, covering and care and compassion and and healing for that. So let's be very, very clear about that. And And with that also, we need to demonstrate healthy, whole, good, life-giving touch into a society that's desperately in need of that. 
and he came and he healed. This is the story of Naaman in 2 Kings 5. We won't go there. I would encourage you to read that and make note of that and, and go back to that scripture of Naaman and Elisha and the healing that took place there. But the leper, Jesus reached out his hand and he was healed. Jesus said, I am willing be clean, be healed. And immediately he was cleansed of his leprosy. And that's that last piece of the cleansing that took place. And this is the, 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 the story of the, the 10 lepers in Luke 17. And, and in that particular story, it talks about and it makes very clear that there are three kinds of healing that took place here. There was a healing, a cleansing, and a salvation that took place for those. And so so there's not just the healing, but the cleansing was a restoring back into society. Jesus not only cleansed the leper from his illness, but then restored him into the community of faith. Aren't you glad that Jesus does that with us? I'm so glad that he not only heals us, but he cleanses us and he restores us and brings us back into community. Even when we of our own volition have done things that are wrong, he is a God of restoration who heals and cleanses and restores his people in every dimension. I'm so glad that that's our Jesus. He cares about our whole human being. Not just our body, but our souls, our spirit in every way. He wants to talk. His power is there to touch us in every dimension of our lives. So am I willing to receive his touch, healing, and cleansing? And you say, oh, it's obvious. Of course I want his touch. Well, do we? (laughs) Remember the eyesight. What do you want me to do for you? I mean, Jesus asked these questions. When, When he would heal the cripple, he would say, take up your mat and walk. Because now you are no longer going to be able to go back to the way you were. You now have to re-enter into life and responsibilities. You're no longer a victim. You're a victor. Notice then the leper's promotion. And Jesus said to him, see that you don't tell anyone, but go show yourself to the priest. Offer the gift Jesus commanded as a testimony to them. Now this is a sequential thing. Don't tell anyone Go tell the priest first. Before he could go, there was a very specific process. You had to go to the priest and prove that you had been healed, that your, that your skin disease was gone, that the infection, that the, the very things of that was gone. So Jesus is saying, go to them as a testimony to them, and then the testimony will go out to the world. But first, start do it in the proper order. Do it in the proper way. The leper was sent as a witness to the inbreaking of the kingdom of God. Remember Matthew 4, 17. Let's just remind ourselves of, of that scripture again. From that time on, Jesus began to preach, repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. So the kingdom of heaven had come near to this leper, and now He is sent as a witness to that, first of all, to the priests to do it properly, but then it becomes into us. Am I willing to be a witness to the inbreaking of the kingdom from my neighborhood to the nations? For Jesus said, I will give you power and you will be my witnesses. You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the earth. From your city, from your neighborhood to the nations, I am sending you. 
That's the promotion the leper got. No longer, not only was he not, un, not no longer was he not only not unclean, but he was, ooh, there's a lot of double negatives there, but he was clean and sent. When the influence of Jesus is upon our lives, that influence begins to naturally infect and impact every arena of life around us. In our workplace, in our school, in our neighborhood, in our family, in our community at large, wherever it is, there is a movement out that happens as a natural result. It's not something unusual. It's not something just for evangelists. It's not just something for professional, full-time ministers. It's all of us. It's the lepers who have received the healing and cleansing and salvation of the king who are called to go forth with words, with wonders, and with works to fulfill the mandate of Acts 1.8. Amen? So this morning, we come to the table. And the table reminds us of the sacrifice Jesus made for us. We heard about it in prayer this morning from Sylvia, from Liz, from others. Throughout, we heard about this sacrifice of the Lord, that he went to the cross and his body was broken, that you and I could be made whole. He went to the cross and his very physical blood was shed so that we could experience salvation and the breaking of the power of sin and death. So when we come to this table, we remember that this has come to us a symbol. His body is a symbol of the very bread of life. This cup is a symbol of the cup of salvation to us. And if you have not yet received the influence of Jesus in your life, if you've not welcomed him into your life as Savior and Lord to be a disciple of him. This morning he says, follow me. Follow me. And I'll heal you and cleanse you and restore your life. Not that you'll never have problems. And we see in part and we know in part and one day we will know fully and the kingdom of God is here and it's coming and we're experiencing and we're moving towards and as we take this, we are reminded that the kingdom of God has come near and will continue to come near as we welcome him with humility and submission and confidence. So I invite you to this table, all who are here, whether this is your first time this Sunday or you've been here for many, many years, only receive in that spirit, in that attitude, in that atmosphere of recognizing that Jesus alone is Savior and Lord. And surrender your life to him. Ask his forgiveness for the sins that have caused a gap between you and God and receive his cleansing in your life today and receive salvation from him today. And then receive these elements as a means of cementing that and for the rest of us today. The Lord is saying to us, follow me. This is not a casual thing. Becoming a disciple of Christ is not a casual thing. It is a 
intentionality on our part to reorient our lives around him. It requires that humility and that submission. It requires from us to come to him and to receive from him and to follow after him and to become into the apprenticeship of the Lord. Do you know the world is apprenticing you all the time? That's why we need to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. Let me tell you, your TV set is apprenticing you. The media is, all the time, is apprenticing you. Jesus, the only way that we're going to know God's good and perfect will is by immersing ourselves here. That's what we're doing, and that's what we're going to continue to do. That's what we do in this house. That's what we believe. We believe in the word of truth. So I'm going to ask our elders, pastors, ministry coordinators to come. Pastor Daniel from our Aromo Christian Fellowship is going to assist me at the table. Lord, we just want to open our hearts to you right now. We want to open our heart to your word as you have spoken to us. We want to come to you in humility and submission this morning with confidence because you invited us and this table reminds us of your throne of grace. Thank you. Thank you for the throne of grace. So Lord, we receive now these elements with gladness and joy. In Jesus' name, thank you, God. Amen. Pastor Daniel is going to bless the elements in English and Aromo. Father in heaven, we thank you, we bless you. Jesus, you sacrifice your life for us. You pulled us from deep, from hell, from these. You saved us. You brought us together in front of you to worship you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. We bless your holy name. You bl we bless your holy name. Because of you, we are here. Because of your protection, because of your love. We believe in you. You don't give us to world. You are our father. You are our, our protector. You are our savior. We bless your holy name for your all sacrifice and for all your love. Thank you, Lord. Your hand is strong to keep us forever. We win the world. Thank you, Lord. Makanke wakavla farate bifamuya gofta kulkulu. Ati kulkuluda, ati tolada, ati beka gofta Jesus. Iga kesa nudangalav teka na yawa kayo. Akatin debine kulkulovno. Akamotuma kev kopovne, namota kopesno. Dukana kesas namota kabamno. Maka Jesus Christos in gofta nugargal. Nu ebis. Nu ebis yuakai, dokana tati, ulpina kefura, nukules igaketi. Honke, drake muyada nunuyada, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you, the Lord Jesus, in the night he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let us eat. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. 
Whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you do proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Let us open both our hands to receive benediction. We thank you, Jesus, because you are alive. Because you live, we can face tomorrow. Because you live, our fears are gone. Because we know you hold our future in your hands. And now we are going to live here, Jesus. We are not going to leave your presence or your glory. We want your glory and mercy and blessings to share us, to follow us, all of us, wherever we'll go. Yes. Help us to be able to make many disciples for your glory and your kingdom. If you can call us home today, tomorrow, or wherever, you will want Jesus. We want only you to be seen in our lives so we can see you at the end of our lives. Help us to go to make many disciples for good kingdoms. Be blessed and call many for the glory of Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. Go in peace.